Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. Period symptoms are not the problem. They are a symptom of the problem. You know, and that's what pain is. Pain is a symptom. It's not the actual problem. It's a symptom of the problem. If you get to the problem, the pain goes away, right? Hey, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. We're going to be talking to Shannon Miller and a little bit about her. She is a board-certified holistic nutritionist, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and holistic health coach. She's also the founder of Three Leaf Health and Wellness and is obsessed with all things hormone, digestion, and immune-related. She works with driven women who want to get to the root of their fatigue and female issues so they can fall in love with their bodies again. After years of hormone imbalance, adrenal fatigue, and her own battle with an autoimmune disease, she felt like she was constantly at war with her own body. She tried every diet and supplement on the market that promoted increasing energy, reducing inflammation, and giving her the body she wanted. She spent thousands of dollars on trial and error solutions, never finding the right plan that fit her perfectly. She also spent countless hours going to see doctors and specialists, but none of them took the time to listen to her and to actually hear her to understand. They poked and prodded just to tell her that everything looked fine, even though she certainly did not feel fine. Well, unfortunately, that is an all-too-common theme on our show. We talk about many things in this podcast, but one of the ones I find most interesting, and you heard it in my little excerpt that I had in the beginning of this episode, right before this recording, that is, she does not believe that periods should be painful. Now, I am a male. I've never experienced a period, thankfully. However, it always was something that I wondered when... You know, my close friends in high school, they would not go into detail, but they'd be willing to tell you, hey, you know, I'm not in school today because, you know, it's that thing going on this month. You know what it is. I'm like, oh, okay. And it just seemed odd to me that nature would instill us with something that you find so debilitating that they literally couldn't even show up to school for because it hurt so bad. Now, it's not their fault that that's happening. I think this is a matter of what society is doing, but I don't believe that periods are supposed to be like that. And now we have two women on this podcast who also believe the same thing. So don't take it from me, take it from them. Jennifer Woodward, who has been released for a while now, was one of the other episodes where this was said, and now Shannon Miller as well. So we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more in this episode. But without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, Shannon, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, very excited to talk to you. I know we're going to be diving into, you know, more uh, women's hormones and hormone health in general. Uh, but before we get into that, first and foremost, I love hearing the stories of the people that come um, onto this podcast because every single person, whether they are an FDN or not, it's very rare you get into this work by accident. You know, you're going to probably do this because you have some kind of background with it. So let's start with that. Are you someone that was dealing with health issues like in your childhood years, teenage years, or did it not start till an adult? Like, give us a little bit about your uh, background there. So my background is definitely very interesting because from a really young age, I struggled actually with my weight. I was an overweight kid, um, got teased a lot when I was younger. And honestly, like my journey started with an eating disorder. Um, from the age of 12, I actually started experiencing, you know, anorexia, overexercising. Um, and it wasn't until I was like 18 that bulimia became, you know, a part of my life. And 
I even dealt with alcohol abuse too. So there was a lot of like addiction going on, but definitely things that were harming my body, um, throwing things off balance. And really what I'm so grateful for is that around 20, I started to experience a lot of pain. Um, I started to have pain in, in my feet. I started to have pain in my shoulder. Um, I would wake up and the thought of taking those first few steps would just fill me with dread because I knew how painful they were going to be. And it took me a couple years to finally get a diagnosis, but I ended up with an autoimmune condition. And I really consider it my biggest blessing because it helped me realize how important food is to nourishing my body, to healing my body. Um, you know, doctors wanted to put me on steroids as a way to manage my autoimmune disease. And I was like, there has to be another way. And so I started to look into functional medicine and alternative medicine. And it was like through healing my autoimmune that I was actually able to start to work on my relationship with food, my relationship with myself, um, and in that my relationship with alcohol too. Uh, so it was definitely like a, I think a little bit of a different progression uh, than other people have gone through, but you know, it was a, it was a roller coaster ride, but I feel like that has really given me a lot of compassion for what other people go through. Wow. Okay. And this is a thing that I like to reference anytime I hear an eating disorder, specifically anorexia come up, because for those that don't know, outside of my work with FDN, I'm directly in the mental health space. And I didn't even know this until 2019 myself. And that is anorexia is the mental health disorder that is most associated with fatalities. And I'm sure no one listening to this type of podcast would have those stereotypes in their head. But unfortunately, I see this all the time in the mental health space, you know, like these are things that aren't always taken seriously. Or, you know, some people that have genuine ignorance to it will be like, well, why can't they just eat or do something like that? I'm like, folks, this is such a real and serious thing that it has more fatalities with it than any other mental health condition, right? So just because we might not understand that as outside listeners doesn't mean that it's not an extremely real um, thing to the person that experiences it. So was that believed to be like part of the uh, progression in terms of like the advancement of the autoimmune disease and the development of the autoimmune disease? Because I know like malnourishment is obviously one of the main things that happens with anorexia or were they kind of disconnected as far as you know? No, they are very much connected. Um, I mean, you think about it, like the gut plays the biggest role, right? If the gut is damaged, then your susceptibility for an autoimmune disease absolutely increases. And I was doing a lot of damage to my gut because I wasn't getting, you know, good nutrients in. I definitely was not absorbing nutrients. You know, when you, when I went into more of my bulimic stage, like obviously I was eating foods that were not good quality that had gluten in them that were high in sugar. So I was really just, you know, putting fuel on the fire at that point. But I think it was going to happen regardless if I kept down that road and kept damaging my body. Um, I'm really not surprised by the autoimmune condition, you know, and, and as I got more into it, you know, certain nutrient deficiencies make somebody a little bit more susceptible to anorexia. I was a C-section baby, which means that my gut was already damaged. My immune system was already damaged. So that definitely played a role in mm -hmm. having an autoimmune disease too. So 
it was really interesting for me to start to see like where it all came from because it wasn't just one place. And I think that's something that is so true for so many of the people I work with. They're like, well, what's, what's the, what, where was the epicenter? And I'm like, it's oftentimes not one, one episode or one epicenter. It's like all these pieces coming together and kind of creating this perfect storm of metabolic chaos or disease, illness. Right. And a lot of the times I think what we see uh, very often as practitioners is maybe the final straw preceding a diagnosis was actually like a major life event or whatever. Right. And then it gets contributed to that. And that's a factor for sure. Mm -hmm. But we also have to look at, yeah, what was the 10 years preceding that life event? Right. That created this environment that, you know, that is the final straw that does it. I also want to hone in on one more thing that you brought up before, because I find I don't know if anyone else finds this as interesting as me, but to me, it is very hard to step away from the normal paradigm of healthcare and medicine where we just treat symptoms with allopathic means, you know, surgeries and drugs. And, you know, you kind of just said, oh, well, you figured there had to be a different way. I mean, is it really that simple for you that you just said, oh, you know, there has to be something else? Or, I mean, did you have an outside influence? Like, it's not easy to have that type of mindset where you're like, no, I'm going to go away from the norm and trust my gut here and think that there is something else I can do. Like, where did that come from? So it's interesting. Actually, my father is an orthopedic surgeon. My mom is in public health. So I come from a very Western medicine family. Um, So allopathic medicine was really all I knew. I didn't know that you could like take vitamins and use sunlight and and all this stuff. Um, I just thought, you know, surgeries and pills, right? That's kind of the, the paradigm I grew up in. But with the diagnosis from my autoimmune, it really was, it took three years for me to get a diagnosis. It took countless different uh, specialists. I did MRIs. I did spinal taps. I did so many blood draws. Like by the time I got my diagnosis, I was so frustrated with the system already. I, I was just, I was angry at that point, to be honest. And then they're like, here, let's put you on steroids. And part of this actually stems from my eating disorder. I'm like, my thought is steroids make you gain weight, right? Steroids make oh, you gain wow. weight and they make you angry. And I was like, those are two things I really don't want or need in my life. Um, so kind of all of that, really, I was like, okay, what's another way that I can go about this? And I started to research autoimmune diseases. I started to try and understand more of what's the underlying causes. How can you go about this in a more natural way. I think I was like natural remedies for autoimmune diseases. Um, <laughs> yep. And I was like, you know, what do you put in Google for this? And it led me to a functional medicine doctor in my area. And I met with her and did like a two hour consultation. And she had a, you know, a functional nutritionist on her, on her teams who I'm actually still in contact with today. And I actually get to have a, you know, professional relationship with. But they just made me see food and my body in a completely different way that no therapist had ever explained to me before. No doctor had ever explained to me before. Um, I mean, I had done rehabs. I had done eating disorder rehabs. I had done chemical dependency rehabs. Like no one ever explained any of this to me. And they didn't explain to me how important quality nutrition is and how important mindset is. 
and nobody told me the role that trauma can be played in all of this. So like my eyes were just like opened up so much through working with this practice. And I was like, I want to help other people with this. And that's what really like turned me around. And I'm not going to lie. My family was like, you're going to go study what? Like you're going to go into <laughs> holistic health. They're like, like crystals and oils or like, what do you Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is, uh, unfortunately, um, how it goes sometimes, right. You know, especially maybe if you have that Western background, um, in your family as well, but I appreciate you sharing that kind of, you know, shift in the paradigm because I, I think that's so important because to me, I'm just like, why does not that not happen to everyone? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had this experience yourself. I've had people very close in my life, including family members, like I'm already into this work. I'm doing this stuff and their conditions have, have killed them. You know, they were so stuck in a certain paradigm. And I do not mean this in a um, demeaning or condescending way by any stretch of the imagination, right? These people are are suffering. They don't want to do that. But I just don't understand how you stay in that paradigm that clearly is not working for you until the point that it actually, you know, takes your life. Um, and it just, I want as many people to have these paradigm shifts as possible. And if you can't tell, I mean, I think that's a main purpose of this podcast, right? That's what this serves. Cause the more you listen to these stories and see, wow, Shannon did what? or Evan did what, or Justine did what, like, it's just very cool to hear all these different practitioners talk about this stuff. So you're going to this functional medicine doctor and I'm hoping uh, things are starting to turn around a little bit here. What are some of the things that they were recommending, like more specifically, I know you had Mm -hmm. referenced diet, but like what specifically were they telling you to do and how did that go? Yeah. So I went on the autoimmune paleo protocol, which it's tough. It's, it's pretty limiting. And I had, I had to work closely with them because having the eating disorder background and then being told to only eat certain things, obviously we really needed to make sure that I was getting in enough and I wasn't using that as an excuse, right. To not eat enough. So worked really closely with them on that aspect of it, but yeah, autoimmune paleo I did for, I think about mm, three months. Um, we did lab testing, we did a stool test, um, we did some blood work on me as well. And so we did find some candida. Uh, So I did like a candida protocol did bone broth for three days straight, nothing else. And we also did supplements, we did a lot of gut repair. um, Because obviously it was it was damaged, there was a lot of lot of leaky gut going on a lot of inflammation in the body. And so did a lot of, you know, natural supplements to help heal the gut, strengthen the integrity of the gut lining, and also really calm down that inflammation response. Very cool. Very cool. So um, that's a fantastic, it's a little bit, uh, I I get what you're saying, because the autoimmune paleo stuff is actually, in many ways, it could be looked at as quite restrictive, especially if you have some kind of history with that. But it is a fantastic um, diet for like quickly reducing inflammation, not necessarily a permanent thing, right? It's just like, yeah. all right, let's get this fire under control and then we'll figure out what's actually causing it um, over time here. So I, I really like that and encourage people to look into it. It's How so does effective. This, yeah. It How does so this effective. go from you doing this work with the functional medicine doctor and then eventually becoming a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner yourself? I'm curious about that transition. Yeah. So I ended up 
When I was working with the functional practice, I had just finished my undergrad degree and I was actually, I was working in senior care at the time. I was a coordinator for an in-home care company. So I was seeing a lot of just, you know, the people we took care of were, were really sick. A lot of them had Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or, you know, just not able to care for them themselves in their old age. And so that was reaffirming too of like, oh gosh, we, I got to get ahead of this for people. Uh, so I ended up, you know, looking into some graduate programs. So I, my journey started with a graduate program and I got my master's in holistic health education and I specialized in nutrition. So I went to school full time for two years and got to really immerse myself into understanding functional medicine and integrative medicine and, um, just fell in love with it. And I fell in love with the nutrition component. Cause I think for my personal story, like that was such a turning point of changing my relationship with food and seeing how food alone can do wonders for people. Um, when you really know how to tap into it. And so I did that program. And when I finished that program, I actually went on to become a board certified uh, holistic nutritionist through the National Association of Nutrition Professionals. So many acronyms. But um, it was through that association, um, I went to one of their conferences and got to meet Jen Maleka, who if you are an FDN, I think everybody knows Jen Maleka. Yeah, that's um, how I got in. <laughs> ben and I had actually connected previously on social media. And I had been looking into FDN already because I really, I learned about blood chemistry in school and we talked about different lab testing, but we didn't really get into it. So I didn't feel competent enough to make that a part of my own practice at the time. But I just knew like I wanted to take my own practice to the next level. And I really felt like, you know, running more functional lab testing was going to be such a good part. So when I saw Jen at that conference representing FDN, it was the, I was an easy yes. I will tell people like, I always wish I meet clients like me because I'm such an easy yes. I'm so wanting and willing. Um, she didn't have to sell me. Like I was like, yes, sign me up. What do I have to do? I was eight months pregnant at the time. Um, and so I originally thought I was going to like sign up, but then like take a little break. I ended up finishing FDN, like, you know, having a newborn, I would, you know, try and carve out an hour here, an hour there. And I just dove into the course because I was, it was, I mean, for me, like FDN actually ended up being the missing piece of my practice that I didn't know was missing. I'm not surprised by that. That is what many people um, come on here and say. And I, I felt the same way. I actually felt that for my own personal health journey. And that leads to my next question. I mean, I'm curious because you were clearly into this stuff beforehand. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had a good grip on it. You got a bunch of education, which is amazing. When you were going through FDN and utilizing the labs on yourself, because for those that don't know, um, every FDN practitioner that goes through the course, they are actually required to do a certain amount of labs on themselves before they go out and start using these with the public, right? Um, and so I'm curious, were you finding anything, Shannon, that like you had like healing opportunities that you didn't know about before? So what was a little different and a little tough about my process is that because I was pregnant and then I was breastfeeding, um, I couldn't do the Dutch for a really long time. I had to wait until like all of that was done and I got my cycle back. 
Um, but I did get to do one of the other labs and, and see where things were and got to see like my liver function a little bit more. And actually I was really like happy to see that my intestinal function was, you know, working so much better, but I did, my liver was a little bit sluggish and I had to be very careful with how I supported that, like during, during breastfeeding at that point. Um, but it was definitely so eye opening to be able to have that information. And when I finally was able to look at my hormones, I was like, whoa, you know, especially because it was at the end of uh, having given birth and then having done breastfeeding for 15 months, like my Mm -hmm. hormones were, uh, they were not where they needed to be by any stretch of the imagination. And I ended up running um, a hair tissue mineral analysis after I was done breastfeeding. And that was, again, really interesting to see what was going on. And I had a very common presentation that happens after pregnancy and after breastfeeding. Um, But it was nice to know, like, there's so much support that can be done. And already I've retested things and things are already shifting in such a good direction. That is great. And it's probably one of the most rewarding parts about all of this when, you know, you run the labs and you're like, okay, like (laughs) there's plenty to work on here. And, you know, you do the retests and you're like, wow, this is, this is really cool um, to see that progress because we feel it subjectively, of course, but to look objectively and be like, yeah, wow, my hormones are doing a lot better or my stool test looks really good. You know, I got my secretory IGA back up or something like that. It's just, it's an empowering feeling. And then you want to keep doing it. (laughs) Like how, how good can we get this Yeah. now? I love using the individual practitioner's um, lab test experience with FDN for educational opportunities. And considering you are like a hormone guru, I think we couldn't have hit on a more perfect thing when you brought up the liver because we have not brought this up yet Mm -hmm. from any practitioner. Could you explain the relationship between like hormone health and the liver? Because most people might be like, those things are even connected, but like we have a backed up liver. Yeah. uh, Things might not be moving so well. So I'd love if you could explain that, please. Absolutely. Um, so gut and liver are two really necessary functions for hormones because of hormone detoxification. Um, we don't, I don't think a lot of people think or know that hormones are actually something that you have to detoxify. Um, once the hormones have gone through their, their system, you need to detoxify them through the liver, package them up and get them out through predominantly your stool. So if you're not pooping, Um, you're definitely like, that's a clear sign that there is some issues upstream, right? There's some colon issues, digestive issues, and probably an overburdened liver. And I don't know about you, Evan, but more and more, it's like, we are inundated. Our bodies are inundated by toxins. Mm -hmm. Um, and so your body is having to detoxify those toxins from the foods that you're eating, the air that you're breathing, the water that you're drinking the products that you're using, it's having to do all that. And then it has to detox your hormones too. So, you know, you're, you have a, I kind of like to always use the image of, you know, a a toxin bucket, right? And your bucket can only hold so much. So the more toxins that you're putting into the body, you know, eventually it's going to overflow. Your body's not going to be able to keep processing it and it's going to start to have issues. And I think the clearest indication that there are hormone imbalances or that there are issues with the liver is if there is not at least, at least one bowel movement a day, 
I'm like one bowel movement a day is the, is the bare minimum that I want from, from clients. My ideal is two to three and I get, I, I get messages. I get little, you know, Instagram messages. They're like, I pooped three times today. And like, I celebrate that because that is such <laughs> Like, it's such a good sign that things are moving, you know, chronic constipation, it's all over the place. And um, so, yeah, so liver support is just so important when we're talking about hormone health. If that, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three liver detoxification is not supported or those phases aren't working um, efficiently and effectively, then there's going to be issues upstream especially when we're talking about estrogen and estrogen detoxification. Um, you know, we have three uh, estrogen detoxification pathways and the, not to get too sciencey on people, but like the four hydroxy estrogen pathway is a very, it can be a dangerous pathway if it's not supported well. And if the estrogen is not eliminated quickly, um, you know, it's something that can lead to cancer, breast cancer, so that's always something that I always want to look at with, especially my female clients, and especially if they have a history of breast cancer in their family. Wow. Okay. And yeah, no worries. We like um, having the few little golden nuggets and maybe more scientific stuff on this podcast for sure. It is for the person that is kind of in the position that you and I were in many years ago when we were still <laughs> seeking, uh, seeking this stuff out and doing our own research. But you, you know, sometimes you have to learn about something a little more technical. It can be that mm -hmm. time to take that step up. And that's really something we promote here. So I think that's great. And that was a wonderful um, explanation of that. That's exactly the type of golden nugget that I'm talking about. Now, I want to also kind of dive a little deeper into the hormone side of things while we have you here today, since yeah. this is something um, you're obviously very passionate about and work with. One of the things that I've seen, because, well, I'll word it this way. Obviously, I think anyone even listening to this podcast is pretty clear on the idea that, all right, a lot of us have hormone issues because there's so much stress on the body. Now, mm -hmm. what's interesting, though, is that I see this be so much more prevalent. Like, I'm a 25-year-old guy. I work with a lot of 25 to 30-year-old women all the time, all the time. Their hormones are completely tanked, and they feel like, you know, not so great, but like they think it's better than the results actually show, right? Like they're surprised sometimes when I'm like, uh, hey, you just tested on day 19 of your cycle and you have no progesterone mm -hmm. whatsoever, right? So my question is, I see that much more often with the females and the males. Do you have like a theory or reasoning behind why the females seem to be getting hit even harder than the males for the hormone health? Yeah. So, and it's interesting too, Evan, just like a kind of not side note, but along the lines of with low progesterone, people that are dealing women, especially that are dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, a lot of overwhelm, oftentimes they have low progesterone because progesterone is like, it's the hippie hormone. It, it's very calming and it's very peaceful. So if there's not enough progesterone, then you're going to have more anxiety. So it really does play into that mental health side of things too. Um, progesterone is also, you need it to ovulate. So if you are a menstruating woman, you want to ovulate. Um, and we're seeing a lot of women not ovulating because of birth control. Um, but again, because of stress. And here's the thing. Essentially, your body can make cortisol, your stress hormone, or it can make all of your other hormones. Um, and so if we're under all of that stress, 
the body is going to keep pushing cortisol and it's not going to have enough reserves to really go downstream and go into all of the other hormones like testosterone, like progesterone, and then your estrogens. You know, we need testosterone to make our estrogens. So ladies, testosterone's not a bad thing. It's actually an essential thing. Um, but it's just everything needs to be balanced, right? And so I think we're seeing a lot more imbalance. I'm seeing a lot more women with low progesterone and low estrogen that aren't postmenopause. Um, it's like I either see estrogen dominance in menstruating women or I see low estrogen, which isn't common. Um, and it's not normal by any means. And I think it's a lot to do with stress. But I think as FDNs, we know like stress is so multifaceted. It's not just psychological stress. It's not just work stress or family stress. It can be stress from the food that you're eating. It can be stress from the toxins that are coming into the body. It can be stress from hidden pathogens like, you know, opportunistic bacteria or yeast or the word nobody likes to hear, parasites. It can be food sensitivities that all of this creates consistent stress to the body. So if your body is continually just trying to survive, which is what cortisol is there for, you know, cortisol gets a bad rap, but we would be dead without it. It's essential. We need it. Um, but if your body is literally just trying to survive, it is not thinking about reproduction. So why would it need to make all of those other hormones? So it kind of turns that off and it's just focused on, you know, keeping you, keeping you alive, but being alive is not the same thing as living your best life or thriving or having optimal health. And I think that's what we as practitioners do. We're not trying to have you be okay or fine. We're trying to have you be optimal and mm -hmm. be thriving and enjoy life and look forward to life. Absolutely. That I always say this to even like friends and family when they're like a little confused about what's the difference between like an FDN and, you know, a, a naturopath or something like that. And not all naturopaths do this, but you know what? Unfortunately, Shannon, a lot of natural medicine is really just Western medicine now um, with the same kind of like allopathic mindset, except with natural supplements. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we're here to do. You use the word optimal. It's like, how do we Maybe you do need a medication from your doctor, right? Maybe you do need some natural supplements. But at the end of the day, we need to ask why this happened to begin with, whatever health conditions you're dealing with, and how do we hopefully stop that in the future by changing the lifestyle things um, around. And you mentioned, this is the last question I'll have for the hormones. I think this is something mm -hmm. potentially very beneficial for people. Uh, you had talked about birth control at one point, and a lot of these 25 to 30-year-old women that I mentioned, they are normally coming off on, this is the average time I typically hear for a 25 to 30 year old woman. Oh, I've been on birth control for, you know, like eight to 10 mm -hmm. years already. They're throwing this stuff out like candy in the beginning, but it's there for a reason, right? And they're trying to prevent, you know, pregnancies. Uh, clearly there is, um, if we went into the average person in society, there are moral debates around this. I'm not here to get into that today. Let's say someone is trying to prevent 
you know, pregnancy mm-hmm. that they're not ready for yet, but they also want to stay a little more natural. Like I've heard of these different fertility trackers. I don't know enough about them as a male. Like, do you have any advice for people that are like, all right, I, I can't get pregnant right now, but you know, I also don't want to be on a birth control medication for, you know, 10 years. Yeah. And I have to say, I was somebody that I was on birth control for 13, 14 years. Um, didn't know what it was doing to my body, had no idea how birth control worked. Um, and that is something that I, I try and educate women on now because so many, so many of us don't know, quite frankly, so many of us do not know. Um, so yeah, there's family planning is a way of tracking the female cycle and understanding when your fertile window is now, you know, ovulation is 24 hours. You are, the egg is released. It has 24 hours to meet a sperm. If that doesn't happen, that it's done. Um, the reason the fertile window is about six days is that sperm can live in the, you know, in the uterus for up to five days. So that's kind of how that six day window is determined. So if you're able to track your cycle, um, you know, know when the first day of your period is, um, around day 14 is, is ovulation, but each woman is, is different. And some women have longer cycles. Some women have shorter cycles. So one, it's really important to track your cycle and, and, and get to know your cycle specifically. Um, know when you're ovulating. There are a lot of things that you can use, uh, temperature, vaginal fluid. You can even test for ovulation too, to really get an understanding of when that's happening. Um, and so obviously if you're going without birth control during that window, you would either want to abstain from intercourse um, or use alternative protection measures. Um, which there's a a lot of different, you know, natural things for that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I will say a lot of women, there is the trying to prevent pregnancy reason for going on birth control, which is very understandable. Um, But I find a lot of women go on birth control, not to prevent pregnancy, but to deal with their cycle symptoms, to deal with heavy and painful bleeding to deal with um, really crazy PMS, to deal with acne is a, is a huge one that that happens for. So that's when I urge somebody to take a look at, well, birth control is not actually going to fix that. It's not going to rebalance it. So what if you looked at why, right? What we do as FDNs, well, why, why are you having that? Why are you having such painful periods? Why is your PMS out of control? Like, if we understand that and we can help heal and rebalance, well, then you don't need to be on birth control. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, my, my two sides of, of that conversation. And, and, and too, like if you're not having a regular cycle or if you're like not ovulating or things like that, like that's something to take a look at it. Why is that happening? And not just accept it for, I hear it all the time. Well, that's my normal. Well, that that might be your normal, but that's not actually normal. <laughs> yeah, very you know? well said. or yeah. just because being irritable, you know, during a, the week before your period, like just because that's common, does not make it normal. And I think women are very surprised when I say that. They're like, "Wait, it doesn't have to be this way." And I'm like, "No, it, that's not how it's supposed to be." Like our hormones are freaking our superpowers, right? We just have to learn how to harness them. You know, I'm actually running a course called Harness Your Hormones. Like 
unleash your superpowers because as women, we have this skewed conception of what our menstrual cycle should be or what our relationship with our hormones should be. We've seen them as almost the enemy when they don't have to be. We just have to figure out why are we struggling so much with our hormones? And, you know, I think a lot too, we have to look at the environment. The environment's different. It's not how it was when our grandparents were growing up or our parents were growing up. Like it's a very, it's a toxic environment from a chemical perspective and from a, you know, mindset perspective too. This is quickly turning into one of my favorite subtopics in the field of functional health because you know what? It's one thing when a, even if it's science backed, it's one thing when a 25 year old male runs around and says, Hey, you know, your, your cycle should be regular and it shouldn't really hurt that much. Um, I think it's very powerful to hear it from women such as yourself, like being like, Hey, like, listen, you know, it doesn't have to be this way, guys. Um, I, Jennifer Woodward, obviously, you know her. Mm-hmm. She was on the show recently and she straight up said, she's like, I don't believe that we should be in much of any pain when we're having our cycle. Like, do you have a similar belief? Or, I mean, you clearly believe that it should be nowhere near the amount of pain that some people are having, right? I, I don't think it, it should be painful. Like, I truly think, and this is almost like a, a Reed Davis quote, like, period symptoms are not the problem. They are a symptom of the problem, you know, and that's what pain is. Pain is a symptom. It's not the actual problem. It's a symptom of the problem. If you get to the problem, the pain goes away, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it seems so logical, right? But we have this weird thinking that like certain things should be painful or you're working out, like you should be sore after a workout if it's really good or I'm like, pain is not a a badge of honor. Um, But yeah, I I totally agree with Jennifer that no, like I don't, I don't have period pain. I don't have ovulation pain. I don't, I don't deal with those issues anymore. I did for a very long time, even while on birth control. Um, But I, I, I don't anymore. And I think you know, a lot of my clients no longer have to experience those either. And my goal with my clients is always that, you know, within a cycle or two, not that it's going to be 100% better, but to see shifts within a cycle or two. That's always my goal for women. Excellent. And this is, um, you brought up at a perfect time. I mean, speaking of clients, I think it's really powerful for everyone to get to hear, oh, okay, cool. These really, you know, I, I'm not going to put a label on you, but I'm going to guess if you went through FDN, probably like me and you're a little nerdy, right? So mm-hmm. these really nerdy health folks, you know, they were able to do this, but oh, I could never do that. But the truth is FDNs are out there, FDN Thrive, myself, people like Shannon, and they're getting results for their clients. So Shannon, I'd love to hear um, about it could be like one or two, doesn't matter to me, but like some really profound experiences you've had with clients where they just like com- made a complete 180 or mm-hmm. a huge jump in their health. Just whatever comes to your mind when I say that. I'd love to hear that uh, kind of story for the audience. Yeah, I can, I have two in mind, so I'll share them quickly. Um, one was a actually a really good friend that came to me and she had just gotten di- diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and she was put on a lot of medications and she was like, I want to get off of these. She actually, she actually works in uh, Western healthcare. She works for a pretty big hospital out here. Um, but she's like, she likes to go a more natural way. And so she had a big goal of coming off of some of those medications. And, 
and she was carrying extra weight. And so predominantly through nutrition, some supplemental support, but predominantly through nutrition, she has already lost 50 pounds. Um, she's been able to cut her medication in half. Um, she's sleeping better. She was a go to going to bed at like one or 2 AM kind of person. Now she's going to bed at, at 11, which is much preferable for me. Um, so she's made a complete turnaround and now her mom just actually signed up to work with me today. Um, and <laughs> Very nice. her partner is starting to look at his nutrition and so his blood sugar was at 350, 400, like startling numbers. We've gotten his blood sugar down to like 150, 140. Um, and that's just, he just started kind of following the nutrition plan three weeks ago. And that's the difference that he saw. So like, that's kind of like, you know, amazing to see. Um, another client that I'm, I'm currently working with right now, and I actually, I haven't, been working with her that long. We've been working together for about a month, but she's a very special client to me. She's been struggling with PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, and she's been trying to get pregnant. She's gone to some of the best fertility clinics in our area. She's been on so many different medications and things to try and get things on track, but she just wasn't getting anywhere. And, uh, so she, you know, signed up with me. We ran, you know, a stool test. We ran hair tissue mineral analysis. Uh, we looked at a Dutch test for her too, to really understand a little bit more about what's going on. And we've started, you know, really focusing on insulin resistance, the main underlying reason for PCOS. And she has not lost weight in three years. And in two weeks, she's down eight pounds. And it's less so about the weight loss, it's more so that the body is shifting and responding and that we're starting to make progress with the blood sugar and with her insulin. And if we can turn that around, like her ability to get pregnant, to conceive goes up. And like, for me, like the greatest gift, if my client's wanting to get pregnant, like that is the best when they send me a picture of their positive pregnancy test, like it fills me with so much joy. Shannon, I, I, it must be almost 50% of the people that I've interviewed uh, so far for this podcast that are from FDN. When I bring up the client thing, they always end up mentioning something, you know, around the fertility side of things. And guys, none of us, we're not treating fertility, no, none of that kind of stuff, right? This is what happens. And you explained it perfectly before when the body's not under stress, it's going to allow something wonderful like pregnancy. When it feels that it's being attacked 24-7, why would it say, oh, you know what? I'm going to embark on this nine-month, highly stressful, on the body at least, process yeah. that requires me to create a new human life. That doesn't seem like a good thing for the body to be doing during that time, right? So it's very smart, actually. And what I've learned is the body is always doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. It's you know us in the environment that's probably not doing the correct thing. Um. Where can people find you? I do have one more question, but I always like to get make sure this gets out there first. Where can people find you if they're like, yo, Shannon, that's my person. I got to reach out to her. <laughs> yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at three, the number three, Leaf Health. And then on Facebook, it's Three Leaf Health and Wellness. Um, my website is just three, again, the number three, leafhealth.com. Awesome. All right. 
My final question, the most fun one, at least for me, because I'm going to make a little compilation of these at the end of the year. And I always have to say this to every FDN because we thankfully think in a multifaceted type of way. So we are, (laughs) there's no like what ifs on this or an asterisk. It's just, you know, humor me. If Shannon Miller had a magic wand and you could only change one thing in the world habit wise. And what I mean is this, you could get everyone in the world to engage in one health habit, or you can get everyone in the world to stop engaging in one habit. What would you get them to do or not to do? Ooh, I would get them to sleep at a reasonable hour. Sleep. I think if people could just get quality sleep, they could do so much. It's, and not, just a, it's be, not a food. It's just get get sleep. Fair enough. And just to be clear, because I know this is so subjective when it shouldn't be. I mean, obviously there is data mm-hmm. with it, but for a lot of people, this would be considered subjective. So what is a reasonable uh, time for sleep for you, like to get to bed and then amount of sleep? Would you What would you consider reasonable? So I am totally bought into FDN where I do see such a difference when people get to sleep by 10 p.m. Um, and I would say, you know, seven to eight hours is a great range. Um, and if I were to tag like one thing onto it, it would be to sleep within that window and then expose yourself to natural sunlight within an hour of waking. Oh, very interesting, Shannon. Now, for those that don't know, and I'm assuming many don't actually, I am obsessed with light and its effects on our health. I think this is such a missing piece, even in the functional world. And the functional world already addresses a million missing pieces from Western in terms of chronic disease, right? Western's not bad. It's just not too great at addressing chronic disease. As we see in the statistics, not really an opinion. It's more of a fact. (laughs) So... I find it really interesting that she mentioned that. For those that don't understand what she just said, it is known that when you're exposed to the certain parts of the light spectrum from the sun in the morning, that you're actually setting your circadian clock. It's in the suprachiasmatic nucleus. It's a part of the brain that's in the hypothalamus. So there's a lot going on there, and that's probably very oversimplified. But nonetheless, it's extremely important. It's scientifically validated. Go out every single day. And make sure that you catch that sunrise. You're going to want to do that with bare eyes. Unfortunately, for those that are like pretty blind without glasses or contacts, we know that you need the full color spectrum. And even though you can't tell with contacts and glasses, we can only see a certain part of the light spectrum. It's actually 0.0035% is what we can see with our visible eye. So there is, I mean, a separate conversation, but there's a whole wonderful and probably wacky world outside of us happening literally everywhere at all times that we just cannot see. But the point is there's plenty of things and parts of light that are uh, blocked by these contacts or glasses. And I'm not talking just sunglasses. That's an obvious one. I'm talking about just prescription glasses. They block certain parts of the light spectrum that we need. So I'm not saying never wear them. Obviously, you got to do what you got to do. But when you are out during that morning light, make sure you take those things off. So a fun little tip, good thing to try. Try it for 30 days, 30 minutes right around sunrise. Aim in the direction, like face the direction, I mean, of the sunrise. And then see if you ever want to go back. You're going to find that you wake up a lot easier. And you're probably going to find that you go to bed a lot easier as well. So thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. And we've been talking to the wonderful Shannon Miller. Please consider leaving us a review anywhere you podcast, specifically Apple Podcasts would be great. This is information that people don't know, guys. 
That's probably why you're listening to this, but at least you know where to get it. It is something I think about often. There are so many people out there right now, just like I watched my family members go through, just like I went through myself, and just like the people on this podcast have went through, where they are suffering and don't have answers. A simple thing like a rating and even sharing this podcast if you really want to go above and beyond, it helps so much. It allows us to get this message to more people out there and in turn, hopefully we can have less people suffering in the long run from chronic illness because they learn how to address things properly. We'll see you next time and I'm looking forward to talking to you once again. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's fdnthrive.com.